Welcome again to another edition of the Red Reporter Podcast. I'm BK. Alongside me this week, we have Scott, also known as Fordham Ram on the site. Scott, how's it going? Hey, good evening, everybody, or good morning, or good afternoon, depending on uh, when you're actually downloading and listening to this. Because this is a podcast. It is a podcast. <laughs> hey, not, and not a radio show. Hey, happy century, you know, depending <laughs> on, you know, if this ends up on a time capsule. You know, I I highly doubt that podcasts will end up on top. Maybe. Hey, you know, know, they know. they generally put the most mediocre of a generation on uh, in time capsules. Just so we're getting a time there. capsule then is what you're saying. Absolutely, yeah. All right. And also in the studio this week we have Carrie. Carrie, what's up? Hello and good morning. I'm gonna go with the chance that this is posted in the morning. So good morning, everyone. And but you're also going with the with people listening to it right when it gets posted. Uh, all right. Which happy Kwanzaa. Hello. Which might screw you. Yeah. <laughs> happy Happy holidays. If you decide to wait four months to listen to this. <laughs> um, uh, all right. And uh, on the phone this week we have also known on the side as Kevin Mitchell as Batman. Wick. What's up, Wick? Hey, Wick. Good day. <laughs> I, I, I say good day. <laughs> okay. You didn't the first time. Yeah. <laughs> it, did it did it take you that long to think of what to say? He was looking for. And his you cue. came out with good day. He was looking for his cue cards. Good, good day. <laughs> happy Happy December Fourth, uh, random person in Nevada. There you go. Yeah, so, somebody is going to listen to this and be like, "Oh my god, uh, these people are so creepy." December Fourth. That's like Red's Fest territory, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You might be listening to this on your way down to Red's Fest, and in if, which case, welcome. Welcome to Red's Fest. Have fun. It's a great time. We'll see you there. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, there's. it's been a while since we've uh, had a podcast. For good reason. And Right. Well, this I, I should say that this is the last uh, episode we put out was around the All-Star break time. This is not the last episode we've recorded, however. Yeah, the last one did not make it to air. It's on. There was too much of it on the cutting room floor to uh, to go to to air with. We'll just put it that way. Hi, Farney. Hi, yeah, Farney. Hi, Farney. Yes, I I think at the end of this, really, all the room that uh, was not edited out was basically a thirty second version of Yakety Sacks, and even then, we don't have the rights to it. So, right. Yeah. So uh, this will be. It's been almost a month, if not. I mean, it's probably been over a month since. The last one we put out. So yep. since the last time you obviously heard our quite a bit has transpired uh, in that span. Um, currently, the Reds are within. Is it two and a three? Is it three games? Three games in the Central. Um, with behind the Pirates, the uh, St. Louis Cardinals are right in there as well. So the division race is tight right now. There's a little. 37 games left or something like that so ish um give or take yeah <laughs> it's i've lost count at this point right but um you know it's still time there's still but it's there's still the crunch time some season left but you know it's time to start pressing a little bit if you're if you're a reds fan but if you're if you're a reds player and you're listening to this it's time to get serious and start winning the division <laughs> hey they've been they've been uh, approaching at bats aggressively which of course is part of the problem that's part of the problem yeah yeah but i think if you look at a uh, you know if this is the stock market we're certainly trending up things are going well mm-hmm. um, you know and i think if you look at the remaining schedule the Reds play a lot of games at home, which is a, a benefit, at least if you buy into the record up to this point, they're better at home. Mm-hmm. And 
we get a lot of games against the Cardinals and the Pirates, so I think right. we have six we have, against each. Six against each, maybe? Uh, we have six against St. Louis and seven against Pittsburgh. Okay. So, so yeah, yeah I mean, the two teams ahead of us, you know, if we take care of business, there's a, there's a chance to take over. So Right. I think we're in a, a good position. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, if you look back, what, a week or two ago, we were six we were six games back. Right. Which, and this time we get to face everybody uh, with a much more veteran lineup. Yes. We got, um, got Ludwig back. We got Hannigan back. We got uh, 294 useful pounds of Broxton. Apparently his elbow is not ready to go every <laughs> single day yet. But, uh, yeah, so we've got, you know, a different set of, uh, of core players than the last time we really ran through the Pirates and the Cardinals. So, right. so if we've got 294 pounds of useful, useful Broxton, uh, how much does his elbow weigh? Like, uh, thirty-four pounds. <laughs> Probably. That sounds about right. It's a big sleeve on that elbow. <laughs> well, if I can veer off topic a bit, since you mentioned the veterans, does anyone on here have much expectation for Ludwig to put any sort of numbers up as we continue, or are we are we expecting very little? I'm expecting a little bit more than what we've gotten so far out of the three-headed monster of Heisey, Paul, and Derek Robinson. Mm-hmm. But that's just about it. Yeah, I mean, and it's, I, I don't know if you can expect reasonably that he's going to go back and do what he did last year. I mean, last year, let's be honest, was kind of an outlier as far as what we've seen Yeah, I think that'd be an outrageous from, expectation. You know, he's, he's definitely still shaking some rust off. Um, you know, but the last couple of games he's been great, so yeah, it's it seems like he's kind of getting it back here a little bit. Pardon me for going full Doherty here, but uh, I'm not expecting him on you know a rate basis to really produce a whole lot. But the script is totally on the table and ready for him to have big instances where he gets big hits. Because um, yeah. he's going to be in the middle of the order in a lineup that's going to put a lot of people on base, and it might be in a one for four evening. But I am kind of hoping that a few of those one hits on his one for four evenings actually come in big situations in big games because that's what he's been hyped for. That's what everybody's been hoping for, and uh, right. he's going to get that chance. Yeah, uh, that's what we've been promised from I, everybody with a voice on this situation. Right? I actually think Paul Doherty's column has been changed to uh, big hits and big games by big uh, by big people. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in, you know, I think... The will to win. Yeah. Bantamweight. If I can give Dusty Baker some credit here, I think the way he's handled Ludwig's return has been uh, very pleasant in that yeah. he didn't stick Ludwig right back into the cleanup spot, which no one really expects him to be able to handle. And he hasn't played him every game, which yeah. is, you know, I, I think Xavier Paul and Chris Heisey have been adequate. And with a guy, you know, on the wrong side of 35 who's returning for injury. Uh, you know, you definitely got to take it easy with him. Yeah. So, and you know, and you don't you don't play these guys every day during spring training, and this is, you know, good point. This is basically a spring training for Ryan Ludwig. Yeah, right he's now. at the end of his spring yeah. training right now. Yeah. So, all right. What do you guys want to talk about? Are you eating uh, corn chips back there, uh, maybe? No, I'm not. Why? Does it sound like it? Yeah, I did hear some cellophane. 
Yeah, you guys have been getting like the uh, the digital garble when you talk every now and then. It's been weird. Yeah, yeah. Digital, sure. Yeah, it's uh, well, I, I can assure you that Red Reporter Studios is only using the finest technology. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know what what is wrong with in you, uh, in MacBook Pro microphones. Hey, so GarageBand, my friend, GarageBand. <laughs> we get product placement on this show yet? Not yet. Uh, yeah, if you if you'd like to advertise with the Red Reporter podcast, go ahead and send us something. <laughs> yeah. We will uh, be happy to give you a shout out. Yeah. By, by the way, while we're interjecting here, we can always talk about the upcoming Rocky series. Oh, oh yes. Well, oh, we could, could go too long. Could or not. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. This is gonna. I real. This actually <laughs> might be our last uh, podcast before that, so yeah. it, you could be right, Luke. Scott wanted to talk about an article that he read in uh, Forbes magazine. Just can you just give us a little bit of background of? What it was about? Uh, yeah, I don't even know if it was Forbes magazine or Forbes online. Very I think okay. Carrie saw it too. But essentially, uh, the writer for uh, that article decided to go with a thought experiment of assembling the most average lineup by position of baseball players in the game of baseball. And his second baseman that he chose in this article was Brandon Phillips. Now, you know, frankly, if you're going in terms of absolute averages. Just based on Brandon Phillips' contribution to this team offensively and defensively, I don't necessarily think that jibes, though I guess you know maybe when you look at some of the uh, advanced stats, he, he, an argument actually may be made there. I don't know right. about you, well, Terry. What's, yeah, what's I your think, thought on it? I think he, the criteria was you know, the triple slash of average on-base percentage and slugging, which you know is a, a solid measure to... To measure a hitter by, but it, like you said, it doesn't take into account anything about defense, and it, as much as I discount them at times, it doesn't take into account anything such as RBI or you know situational hitting things like right. that. So runners in scoring position, right? So while which is where he excels, which well, is where he provides most of his value, right. right? Which is actually has been a tremendous change from him over the past twenty four months when yeah. you look. What, in 2011, his uh, runner in scoring position percentage, he was hitting, what, 198? I think, I think that might be a perfect there, case example of why runner, batting average with runners in scoring position isn't predictive or doesn't tell you much about a player in the future. Because mm-hmm. we've seen it with guys. I don't know if you guys remember when Ryan Hannigan, his first couple years with the team, he was one of the worst hitters with runners in scoring position, just like... You know, something abysmal like batting 100 with runners in scoring position. And then two years later, he was one of the best at the team, hitting like 370 with runners in scoring position. So, I mean, you know, we don't have to go case by case, but I think that sort of stat can be misleading, at least as a predictive tool. Yeah. Wick, thoughts on Brandon Phillips being a uh, mediocre hitter? Based on the metric they chose to use, he's perfectly mediocre. He's got a below league average on base percentage. He's not very much of a slugger, especially given the park factor and where he plays half his games. Um, yeah, he, he pretty much is. And the fact is, I guess I haven't checked it within the last two or three days, but I know his uh, his batting average with runners in scoring position, which at one point was over well over 400, has dropped down to like a 350-ish range. Yeah. Which, wow, mm-hmm. imagine, you know, crazy what happens when you actually increase the sample size. Right. Um, so, yeah, well, even what he's quote-unquote been good at, he hasn't been great at lately. And, it's, 
you know, it's 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 read into the rest of the numbers. So yeah, yeah like you said, he's he's an overpaid, solid uh, cog of a lineup, is what he is. But he's not a superstar, and he's probably what the fourth best hitter in this current Reds lineup. Behind Votto, Bruce, Chu, and Chu probably. And yeah. Chu. Yeah, I yeah. think that's fair. You know, and if he's the fourth best. Fourth best hitter in roughly a league average offense. That you know, four out of eight in a league average offense. That puts him roughly right in the middle. Average. Yeah. Well, yeah. I. I it, you know, in terms of second baseman around the league, though, I also think, you know, you also have to look at the comparison, you know, amongst second basemen and sure. not necessarily the rest of, uh, you know, the absolute rest of uh, the major leagues, though, too. Right. That's true. I mean, what you've got. Pedroia, Cano, Carpenter, uh, Matt freaking Carpenter. Yeah. <laughs> but other than that, there are. Take it easy, uh, Chuck D. Yeah. Chutley. Oh, stop. Uh, Chutley. Yeah, Chutley when he's healthy. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, you know, I'd still say that he's probably in the upper third of big league second baseman. Yeah, I, I think that that's, that's exactly where he is. Yeah. But, you know, right, he's not a superstar by any stretch of the imagination at this point. You know, I think I think he gets a lot more credit there than he deserves just because he's been kind of the face of the team, you know, whether whether the team wants it that way or not. <laughs> he's, right. he's, he's been the face of the team during some very, very lean years, and then, you know, when they you know, were finally leading up to this uh, yeah. in 2010. I think... And well, I think if, if, if it was up to him, he'd be the if, face of the team. If his OPS continues to decline... And the way it does, he'll be the slap in the face of the team. Can I can I go there? <laughs> yeah. Right. All right. Yeah, and uh, you know, I think that has value. I think that was part of the contract they signed was his marketability. And uh, like I said, another thing we haven't touched on is his defense. And while he hasn't been as dramatically flashy as he be- has been in years past, he still plays a terrific second base. So yeah, even he still gets the balls that. Most second basemen don't get to him. right, and I think if you, even if he's a mediocre hitter, when you, you know, factor in his defense and uh, you know the off the field stuff that you may or may not buy into, he's a more than valuable player on this team. Very true. So, all right. So speaking of players that might be overvalued in some people's minds. Um, one player that's certainly undervalued, perhaps, would be Joey Votto. I think so. Yeah. And, uh, that's fair. And like, that's, that's been a bit in the news lately. So Yeah, it seems like, and for whatever reason, I don't know if people are still talking about this, but, I mean, or people are still writing these negative things about it, but... You know, it's still a topic of conversation. Seemingly, every couple of days, you'll, we'll read something about, you know, either how Joey Votto is underrated or how Joey Votto is overrated. You know, yeah. depending on what side of that argument you're on, you know, he can't he can't just kind of be a good hitter. He's well, beginning. Well, I, I did see a stat beginning uh, this off season, so pre 2014 season, mm-hmm. he has the most guaranteed money coming his way of any player in Major League Baseball. Right. Which means, you know, for in terms of future payments, he's on top of that list, which just immediately opens yourself up to scrutiny. I, I couldn't well, tell you who number four on that list was. Uh, if he was number four on that list, 
yeah, he'd probably get nitpicked a little bit, but he wouldn't be the guy getting nitpicked. Yeah, and, um, I, I, and so it's just it, that that that's why you know that's, I, that's why he's still he's still a valuable guy. But when you can throw that many dollars on to how much value he produces, suddenly you're going to start getting all these arguments left and right. Right, and I I agree with that totally. I mean, when you look at you know, especially with the history of this city, yeah, where exactly. you know. We haven't had a two hundred and fifty million dollar player in this city ever, right? So, well, very few people have. You know, <laughs> Los Angeles has, you know, yeah, like Los you know, Angeles LA, has. New York. But I think to your point, the the players we've had in the past who have received big contracts for their time have totally pooped the bed, right. like uh, well, right. Griffey. Well, yeah, that's due to well, injury, whether it's injury yeah. or whatever, whatever the reason. And I, so, you know, even even if Joey Votto goes out and win, wins an MVP. That's still not going to be good enough for some people in this town. Right. Just because it's so dramatically, it's so much money comparatively that, right. you know, it's, he can do no right in the minds of some people. Well, I don't know if anyone's heard Mo Egger talk about this, but he had the, the numbers in front of him, and I, don't, I can't quote it exactly, but in terms of percent of payroll, which is how you should analyze a salary because it, that's how it affects the rest of the team. Unless you uh, you are a team that absolutely has no payroll like the Marlins. Right. Well, yeah. but so Mo Egger, I think Jeff Kona, <laughs> I think Jeff Conine right now is still the highest paid player on, on the Marlins payroll and accounts for like 30% of their uh, total salary and he hasn't played for them in about a decade. Right. But no, uh, Mo pointed out that as in terms of percent of team payroll, Vado is the same as what Sean Casey was whenever Sean Casey was making mm-hmm. his highest salary. So, Seven years, or what is it, three years, $21 million? Yeah, I think that was his big uh, yeah. contract. So I think that it, turned him into Wally Joyner. I think you got to keep it in perspective in terms of the salary. And then, you know, a lot of the criticism that you hear is that. And I've heard this from former players and scouts on the radio saying that he needs to swing earlier at those first pitches. But if you look at it, he swings at first pitches quite a bit. I don't know, Wick, you're, you're probably the, the man to ask this question, but I think he's right above average in terms of how often he swings at the first pitch. So The, la- the last time I checked, and it's been several weeks because I did look into that at one point, he swings above average at the first pitch. But he swings at lower percentages of second and third and fourth pitches. So it's either he comes out and attacks pitch one, and when he does, he normally doesn't miss. So there's not a whole lot of second, third, or fourth pitches. Right. Or right. he's up there knowing he's going to get pitched around and takes a lot of pitches. Right. Um, kind of like an either-or argument. And that's that's him. That's him scouting the pitchers. That's him anticipating how he's going to be pitched as opposed yeah. to going up there and just waiting to see where the pitch comes out. Yeah, that's so. him being the most cerebral hitter in the major league. Right. right. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, he's he plans his at bats probably more than any any other player right now. You can't really criticize the guy based on what people criticize him for. Right. I think unfounded is what I would say. All right, <laughs> and uh, what Joey said to Hal McCoy actually. Right. You well, blankety uh, blank. That was a great interview. Though. It, it was. was. Yeah. But has Joey Votto ever disappointed in an interview? Yes. Not in my book. Yeah. Not, <laughs> not, not until not until we get to him. <laughs> yeah. So Joey, what's what's yeah. going on? Um, uh, so let's let's go to questions. Let's go to that? the fun bag. <laughs> fun bag. Fun bag. 
All right, we'll uh, we'll start on Twitter actually. Why Twitter's been such an awful place today? Yeah, it has been. But why today? <laughs> it's like every other day. <laughs> yeah, that's fun. Twitter. Woo! into like the the Twitter version of the RBI versus on base percentage debate. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and it was all condensed into 140 characters or less. Which yeah. Uh, that that's exactly like talk radio, man. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, we have we have one question here that. Because our our good friend BT Coop <laughs> is complaining that he never gets on, except so, well he was on last time. I but feel like every time. yeah he, he was he was on last time, but yeah uh, he nobody's he's never gonna hear that. So. No, no, he's not. <laughs> I feel like a couple of times when I was on, we talked about he he was on one other time. Yeah, he's maybe we were just talking about him. He likes to he, yeah we love you Coop, but he likes to think he does not get the type of intention that he deserves, like many, many people. Right. Uh, <laughs> not naming names. Right. So, uh... He does have a sweet uh, UK towel that he wears as a cape, though. Right. I don't think anyone thinks that's sweet. <laughs> Sorry, Coop. Yeah, you're the only one. Alright, um, alright, so Coop asked, who could eat an entire grizzly bear faster? Corky Miller or Sam LeCure? Jeff Brantley. Jonathan Broxton. I I would say Brantley, but he wasn't in the question, so I'm going to go with Corky. Yeah. yeah. When in doubt, go with Corky. I think I think Corky can do anything that he wants to. Liqueur comes off as like a badass vegan. Yeah. I, I bet. You know, you yeah. know, you know what I bet? I bet Singrani could. Yeah. I will say Liqueur has... Like, at least in my opinion, the best taste in music. Well, he does. Well, you know, he got that, I guess, what, I going to UT, a, you know, yeah. he probably went by went to South by Southwest quite yeah. a bit. Spent some time in Austin. Yeah. Your he music. also grew up in uh, fairly rural Missouri, didn't he? Uh, yeah. yeah, I yep. think so, yeah. yeah. Jeff City? Yeah, uh, some some circa, circa Uncle Tupelo locations? Uh, yeah. They're more Illinois. Well, it was some suburban St. Louis, right? No, no. Uh, Uncle Tupelo was actually more suburban Chicago, I thought. I thought it was southern Illinois. I, I thought it was northern. Okay. Now you're confusing Wilco and Uncle Tupelo. Everyone's well, getting fucked. Well, Uncle, oh. Wilco came directly from Uncle Tupelo. Jeff Tweedy was in Uncle Tupelo and then went to leave Wilco. And then uh, uh, Jay Farrar went to form Sunvolt. Yep. For some reason, I thought it was southern Southern Missouri. Who knows? I, I, I know it was Illinois. It may have been southern Illinois, and we could have split the baby there. Yep. Very true. Right. I'm, I'm, still, I'm still cracking up Sam LeCure, badass vegan. <laughs> like, honestly, if there, were, if there was a baseball He's, player that belongs oh, yeah. in like, like pitching for like a major league team in Portland, Oregon, it's Sam LeCure. Right. <laughs> <laughs> He's got the mustache for it. He does. Yeah, okay. Belleville, Illinois. So it's southwestern uh, Illinois. So it's based, so. it's like East St. Louis. Basically. Yeah, sort it's of. Close. Sort of, yeah. So while we're talking about so we're both like like 48% right. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Does anyone have a memory of Sam LaCure bringing the Black Angels to a Reds game last year? Absolutely. I, I didn't know if I made that up or if that actually no, happened. No, he was total, He totally plays the Black Angels as his... No, uh, no, I know he plays team. them, but I yeah. think he brought them to a game oh. last year or the year before. Does anyone... Am I, I, did I make that this up? That sounds familiar. Okay. Maybe, Maybe right. yeah. Okay. All right. I just want to... 
find out if I'm going crazy or not. All right. Any other questions on Twitter or elsewhere? Uh, well, um, elsewhere. Elsewhere. Let's serious. We, we actually remembered to put up a question thread this time. So yeah, I think uh, which basically right. devolved mostly I, to yeah. Uh, I I like this jokes. first one, so let's do that. Yeah, Brown B had a good one. All right, uh, from our buddy Brown Eleven B. Thirteen inches. <laughs> that's the uh, second. That's the second post because you know this is thirteen. After all. all right. All right. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, Rev Reporter, when you, you can't get BuzzFeed at work because it's blocked. Yeah, right. <laughs> there, there's your answer, one person who was wondering. Okay. All right. The question for this is, what is the playoff four-man rotation going to set up like? And now, we, we kind of, before, before we started recording, we touched on this, but I think we have to assume Tony Singrani's healthy, that the injury is not an issue. Because again, you take him out of the situation, yeah. And I mean, there's no, there's no question. But we should point out we're recording this on uh, the Wednesday evening after the day after he tweaked his back, strained, strained back, right. back. And as of now, they say so, it's not serious. They're yeah, they're expecting him to make his next start. So, you know, barring something unforeseen as of right now, he's going to be in. He'll be healthy for the playoffs. We're assuming. So, uh, Wick, since you're nine seconds ahead of us in terms of uh, the Reds game, who who's your pick on the four-man rotation? You know, I that it, obviously it depends on you know how the next 37 games play out. You know, if you're a division champ and you're got home field advantage for a five-game series, that's one scenario. If you got a one-game set, whether it's versus the Cardinals or versus the Pirates, I kind of think you have to sort of play the numbers on that as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you're asking you who the Reds' best starter is, and if I had one game to win in the playoffs, I'd start with Matt Latos and I'd work my way backwards through Homer Bailey, through Bronson Arroyo, through Mike Leake. Yeah. Um, but at the same point, if they get stuck in that one-game playoff, uh, depending upon the opponent, I, I, I have no idea all the variables that they would have to use to go into that in terms of how many days off, in terms yeah. of you know the, the matchups and in which ballpark it's being played in. Uh, yeah. All that stuff that you can't really plan ahead for this time. Yeah, I think. Uh, but and at the way the way that we're going and the way that it looks like it, you know, we very well may be heading into. Uh, if we do end up being one of those two wild card teams, chances are last series of the year we're going to have kind of an idea about it. You know, against Pittsburgh, right. which is going to be really weird if we would have to end up playing Pittsburgh for the one-game series after playing them right. in yeah. a three-game series. So that's right. also something we actually that may even show up. But I think there probably would be a way to craft the rotation a bit in order to set up for that one-game right. series if I, it seems like that is going to be the inevitable. I think if there's a possibility of that being the case, the Reds will probably think ahead a little bit and kind of rearrange guys where they need to. Yeah, because you know a one, one game series versus Pittsburgh in Great American versus a one game uh, series versus Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh is a completely different ball game. Well, uh, but I would think that you'd want your the same guy pitching it, though, right? right? Mm-hmm. Well, and I think versus St. Louis though, do you really want Arroyo pitching against St. Louis in mm-hmm. Great American Ballpark for one game? But Probably I, more I don't think he's an option anyways for game one. Is well, that's it? the thing, and well, for a one if game, you're, if, you're, if you're setting your rotation up though. Right. You want you're you're gonna set up the guy that you want there anyway. 
Yeah. If he's pitching game one of the division series or if he's pitching the one-game playoff, right. you want your best guy in that spot. And if we're talking about so, one-game playoff, in all honesty, if we do have to face St. Louis, the only two pitchers I'd be comfortable starting would be either Bailey or Latos at this point. Yeah. But at the I same think, point, if you're setting them up for that one game, you're not getting their production out of the last two games of the season. Right. Which means you've got to feel comfortable throwing your other guy in a you know a, a pennant race or a wild card race that may or may not be a half game yeah, or one game. That's apart. well, that's right. the thing. Well, if the division's on the line, I think they <laughs> when, go with their best pitchers down the stretch. Yeah, regardless. I guess. I guess when you go keep going backwards, I mean, yeah, you know, yeah, you want you want Latos in that first game probably. I mean, that's probably yeah. what I put there. But but I think the more, but then again, does that does that put Bronson Arroyo in the last game of the season? Maybe right. the tryout spot on the exactly. line. But I, I think the mo- hey against Pittsburgh, I don't mind that. I think you know Bronson smoking mirrors works against Pittsburgh's lineup. Uh, against St. Louis, good luck, pal. You're gonna you're gonna well, probably need. He, he seems know. to kind of get it done a little bit against when the pressure's on too. Yeah, I mean you look at his uh, against the Giants. You know when he, he went, I think it was seven, eight innings. Might have been eight innings. Hell, everybody pitched well against the Giants, right? I mean, almost everybody. Almost every. Not enough. I think the more interesting part of this question. Grand slam, everybody. Is the four-man rotation. So I think the the better question is who's the odd man out of the rotation? Mm -hmm. Forget the one-game playoff. Forget who's your number one starter. You got four starters going into the playoffs. I think you, outside of Matt Latos, I think you could make a compelling case for any of the other four to be the odd man out. Which is look, crazy to think about. That that's look, I, I think it's a sorry, testament to how sorry, good sorry, they've no, been. My bad. Um, Go ahead, Wick. I was, sorry, yeah, it was kind of a, a skip. Uh, looking through Dusty's glasses, though, I, I don't I don't think it's a question at all. I think it'll yeah. be Tony Cingrani back in the bullpen. Yeah, um, I, I think so. Too. A, a he's got experience doing it within the last you know calendar year. Sure. And B, he's got you know uh, a track record of being successful doing it within the last calendar year. And he's a lefty, and, uh, which is especially a if this well, back issue throws off any sort of. Uh, I mean, obviously, he's on a, a, a he'll be on a rough innings limit that he's probably not going to hit anyway. But if this back issue, you know, prevents him from being able to go comfortably eighty pitches into a game, without three weeks of con, you know consistent you know four or five starts of of being a hundred pitch pitcher, I don't think they're going to put him in that scenario. I just I, I, Dusty's conservative, Waltz on board with him. Right. I think that's just what's going to happen regardless. Yeah, I, mean, I think that it's. It's pretty clear that that's how it's going to end up. Sure. But I can, at the same time, I mean, the, you can make the argument the other way that Dusty might want a lefty, depending on who the matchup is. That's yeah, true. but he'd only want to split him, split up the righties to do so. <laughs> yeah. hey. Would he want Would he want an additional lefty out of the bullpen in that's, that scenario? Well, that's and true. that's huge. But that's if you huge. think about it, though, you might be going into that with four lefties in your bullpen. Maybe Who's Marshall. The Oh, Marshall, right? You know, yeah, Marshall's throwing right now. It's it seems like he's going to be back at some point. Yeah, that's Marshall, true. Fredo, or, yeah, uh, and I don't Marshall, know. and then Par- and Para, who has know, been very good, has been who great. was awful the first. I think they showed the graphic on the broadcast the other day where his first twelve outings he was pitching to like an eight ERA. Yeah. But since then, since then he's been under under one ERA. And I'm I mean, gonna. Uh, I'm gonna he's got myself. the confidence right now, and he's just – I want him on him the bullpen right now. Yeah, allow me to pat myself on the back a little bit here. I don't know if you guys remember, but we did this this podcast, same exact situation, the four of us. 
and there was a little bit of ragging on Manny Parra, and I pointed out small sample size. Dude has that was good... me. I was I was the ragger. That was me. <laughs> yeah. And I said, let's give this dude a chance. I mean, you know, certainly nobody had much expectations for him, but the dude's been amazing. Honestly, I mean, really good. His season this year has been akin to Ludwig's last year in terms of bullpen. Right. I mean, he really has rescued that bullpen. He and no, JJ yeah. for both have been. You know, uh, you look at the, the millions of dollars and the lack of AAA depth for what was, you know, behind Sean Marshall and Jonathan Broxton. They seriously bailed out the Reds' bullpen for the better part of two and a half months to the tune of what, like $1.5 million total? It's assuming that you want Singrani in the bullpen, who do you take out of that bullpen? Well, you wouldn't have to. And you're going to have to add Marshall, too. Well, that's no, well, but assuming that you know you you have Marshall back, and there's a chance you might have Johnny Cueto in that bullpen. That's we true. haven't touched on it, but Johnny Cueto started throwing today, so there's a chance. I mean, there you might not have him work all the way up to being a starter this year, but there's definitely a chance that he could be in the bullpen at some point in time. Which I think would be. One of the more interesting sick. things I've seen in a long time with this Reds team because mm-hmm. it's it's a level of creativity that yeah. they it's like yeah. they Tim, haven't done we haven't seen in a while and it's I a bit like Tim Linson come out of the bullpen last year with the Giants only right. Cueto didn't suck for a year he was just injured yeah well, well, it makes the, you wonder the last, the last time they were this creative was when they moved Chapman to the bullpen three years ago <laughs> uh oh yeah Cueto's never coming just back <laughs> so how let him start. <laughs> How would Dusty use Quaida though? You think he'd be sort of like a long man, emergency only, or you think he'd put him right into a setup type role? That's a good. Question. I think he'd put him right into a setup type role. I mean, you Johnny has two incredibly fantastic pitches with the fastball movement and the circle change. Mm-hmm. That's enough to get by just about anybody at a setup man level. Yeah. It, yeah. You know, in a playoff and his scenario, fastball's not as half well. bad either. Well, yeah, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. His fastball sets up his change perfectly. Right. When was the last time Johnny Cueto entered a game from the bullpen? I don't know if he I ever has. I don't believe he has any in level. major leagues. Yeah, he certainly hasn't at the major league level, to my knowledge. Yeah, you can look it up as far as his minor league numbers. It's probably see, as, as far as I'm concerned, you've got a guy who is your ace, who you have under contract for dirt cheap until the end of the 2015 season. I, I it, your bullpen's fine. Your yeah, starting rotation and that's that, that. You like, might be right. I about love that Johnny Cueto to death. I respect the hell out of what he's done the last couple of years. Put him on the shelf and don't don't overmanage when it comes to that. You know? Well, if he like, is, I, I know they said that his tear has healed seventy five percent as of now. If it is at about a hundred, if it's a hundred percent by you know October, yeah, you know that's worth the risk. If it's anything under, no, it's not. Yeah. Uh, if he can go ahead. Because, frankly, even in a one-on-one out-of-the-bullpen scenario, I trust Johnny Cueto above J.J. Hoover, who still had, outside of you know giving up the Grand Slam, Grand Slam yesterday, has been pitching out of his mind. Had given up her instance June. Right. I, tr- I, I trust Johnny Cueto above sick. even Sam LeCure. And for the record, the last time Cueto came out of the bullpen was 2006. Oh, that was with, a great year for Reds fans. With uh, Sarasota. So oh. it's, or no, I'm sorry, 2005 with Sarasota. Man. And he only did it a couple times. Every, he's, he's nothing but a starting pitcher. So to Wick's point, why mess with it? You know, I mean, yeah, and 
it's not just that, but the whole issue about what Cueto's had this year is pitching out of the stretch versus pitching in a full windup with a tee on turn. And like, I did, you're, you're tweaking his windup and putting him out there in a stretch only position for the most part, uh, potentially if he's you know either a fireman or uh, a late game reliever who's not starting an inning. Like it's just it's it's way too many variables for me to even attempt to say like, hey, uh, take Sam Lecure out of a high leverage role to put Johnny Cueto in the bullpen. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think I think if the personnel in the bullpen were different. Right. I think there might be an argument there. I, yeah. Just because if if the Reds didn't have nine guys, you could probably you could probably throw out there that are serviceable yeah. major league relievers. Right. That is true. But you know, the way the way it's set up right now, unless there's a couple of key injuries, I mean, yeah, there's you know, if we're looking speculation at speculation is fun, but we still have almost a fourth of the season to go. Yeah. There's yeah. there's no there's still time. For but sure. but to that point, if you look at the bullpen, there's not a guy that's the obvious weak link. You know, usually in a bullpen, you've got one or two guys. You don't want them to pitch in a Logan Andrusic. Well, okay, yeah. <laughs> there yeah, is one. Would you back to sit him as the absolute eighth guy out of the bullpen and never pitch in the playoffs? You know, yeah. like, I I think in most situations that should be Corky Miller. Yeah. <laughs> If we can get Corky on the playoff roster, we need to do that. Anyway. I'd love yeah. that. I'd love that. I mean, yeah. Uh, I mean, not realistically, right? He, yeah. can't, he doesn't make any sense on the playoff roster. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you know, Hannigan, unfortunately, if Hannigan is not that's happy, the only way, yeah. yeah. Which is great. You know, you get some Corky love. All right. Well, let's let's look ahead here a little bit then. Um, the Reds obviously are currently in a. I mean, as we're recording, they're in a game with the uh, Diamondbacks. We'll put up one a more, bit. yeah, one more that will probably be over by the time this comes out. The game, and yeah. followed by Milwaukee over the weekend. Um, what are I mean? What do the Reds need to do against against Milwaukee to close the home stand out? Well, you look at the team. The teams are playing Arizona. While they're the closest team to us in the wild card race, they're still. Let's be honest, a slightly above average team. This isn't a great team we're playing right now. Mm-hmm. But they are business. right below us in the wild card, which is good. Which is a good feeling to have. Right, exactly. I, I think, I think for all realistic minds, the Reds' playoff hopes are uh, pretty solid. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think the main thing is at this point beating those teams that you need that you are supposed to beat the bad teams, and Playing well enough, you know, taking more than half the games you play against the Cardinals and Pirates moving forward. Uh, the you know when the Brewers come to town, I expect at least two out of three. That's what you have to expect. Every losing team we play moving forward, at least two That's out of three. Thing. I think that the Reds need to just keep taking series, right? You know, one series at a time, win every series, and I think that'll put them in a good spot. And then take care of business against the people and you're chasing. Beat the teams that you have to. Right. right, beat the teams that are in front of you. So in case you were wondering, the month of August and into September is the perfect time of year for manager speak. <laughs> right. We just need to take this one game at a time, one series at a time. Oh, yeah. And just keep plugging <laughs> along, come up with key hits, key at-bats. So, uh, all right, looking and then looking ahead after this, obviously, is the key road trip. Uh, where 
right without any off days after this homestand, they go into St. Louis. Ugh. And then, obviously, they go to Denver after that. Hey, Wick. Hey. Hey. So, uh, what, what are our expectations uh, against the Cardinals in St. Louis? Tough for me without the pitching matchups in front of me. But um, just like I felt before the season, and nothing has changed my mind about this, I still feel like the Reds are a better team than the Cardinals on paper. I think our rotation is more proven to the extent that a lot of the guys the Cardinals are relying on haven't shown it for more than a season. And less morbidly obese. Right. Touche. And, you know, I don't I don't think their lineup is as um, potentially as good as the Reds. I, I'm, I'm sure the Cardinals have scored more runs than the Reds this year. I don't know for sure. But I, uh, one of the funniest things I have been witnessing, uh, you know, on Twitter, and it's mostly, you know, retweets of Best Fan St. Louis, which you really should follow, uh, has been, I guess... Uh, you know, as much as we decry Joey Votto for his lack of RBIs, Cardinals fans have been just rolling the hate wheel for Matt Halliday, or Holiday regarding his uh, running and scoring runners and scoring position statistics. Matt Holiday is the most hated, awesome player, at least in his hometown. That I that I can <laughs> I don't I don't know any I, I honestly can't think of a player as good as Matt Holiday. Who's more hated by his hometown fans? What about, what about Jay Bruce? Yeah, <laughs> I think Matt Holiday. What about better. Jay Bruce? I think what about Adam Dunn? Yeah, previous no, years. No. I think Matt Holiday's a level above both those guys, and certainly Jay Bruce is younger and has time to become what Matt Holiday was. But if you look at his baseball reference page, Matt Holiday is on track for a Hall of Fame career. I mean, that dude is really good. Yeah, well, it depends on how baseball, you know, writers and I'm sorry, Wick. Judge Coors Field years were not at that point yet. I mean, Larry Walker hasn't gotten in, and but, arguably he's probably the sabermetricians. But there's been no drop off, more or less, from from Colorado to St. Louis. Holiday is the same. I understand player. that. And Walker didn't have that much of a drop off either when he moved from Colorado to uh, was what did he spend his final years with? Washington? No. Ultimately. Part second, Wick. St. Louis? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. What I thought. yeah. There wasn't that much of a drop off there. And looking at his uh, uh, Montreal years, he was a good hitter any time of the year. And you know, I think the really interesting test case is going to be Todd Helton, who is going to end up, you know, arguably possibly with some pretty uh, persuasive Hall of Fame counting numbers. Oh, and rate stats. Yeah, well, I mean, and the rate stats too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he's on base. He's a Votto he's, a three, he's a 300, 400, 500 hitter. Yeah. It had been, you know. Yeah. Uh, Helton is, uh, Helton is my, my, my Votto contract dream result right now. Yeah. Yep. I think that's, I think the Reds, honestly, when they signed Votto, saw Todd Helton and said, yeah, I can pay for that. A Canadian backup quarterback for Peyton Manning. <laughs> All right. So. All right, I, I think that, uh, that'll about do it for us this week. Um, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Red Reporter. Go visit us at www.redreporter.com. Because we need page clicks, and we're willing to use hyperbole to get them. Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs>
Yeah. Cough, cough. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, make sure to uh, come visit us at the site. Make an account, comment, jump into the conversation. We like having new people. So. Exactly. Especially new people that disagree with us. Yeah. That are smarter than us. Especially people that are smarter than us. That never so. happens. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, all right. Well, uh, we'll talk to you soon, hopefully. Hopefully it won't be another month before we uh, record again. Well, the good news is I think the content that we have in this podcast is editable enough to publish <laughs> right uh it's not radio ready shall we say but it's pretty close right you know it's only going to take about three hours for me to cut this right. uh all right so uh that being said come visit us at uh, redreporter.com follow us uh, at red reporter on twitter and ask us about our fun bags and uh yeah submit some questions for next time yeah and, and wick really 13 honestly <laughs> Uh, well, maybe 12 and a half. All right. Uh, uh, All right. Uh, for, for the aforementioned Wick <laughs> and Carrie and Scott, I'm BK. See you later. Yeah, we are very unendowed.